Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 76 of the Reinventory Podcast. Well, you want to get started on something, but you can't seem to get going. Well, maybe it's time to find a better motivation. This is the Reinventure Me Clinic, and we're going to be talking to Joe Riccomini. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello, and welcome to the 76th episode of Reinventure Me. This is your co host, Larry Gates, and I'm here with Armin Asadi. Sidekick Armin. That's right. Robin to the Batman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know exactly how to take that because I never really liked Batman, to be honest. <laughs> Such a hater. I know. I, I, haters going to hate. hate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sing it this time. No, I know, right? <laughs> Shame think, is on you, not me I this time. I think actually I was the one that sang that last time, too. <laughs> was it? Oh, good. Yeah, I think you gave me credit for it. Now you're giving me grief. <laughs> <laughs> it was just very hip of you. Well, Armin, we're doing our second Reinventure Me clinic here today. That's right. And we are going to be talking to Joe Riccomini, a guy that you and I both met uh, not too long ago. He came up for the Strategic Margin Workshop and then visited with you. And mm-hmm. Neat guy. And when we put out the call about the Reinventure Me clinic format, yeah. and a reminder, our listeners, if you didn't catch that, the idea of the reinvention me clinic is we just want to have a person going through some kind of transition, wondering about something going on in their life and just have a conversation with them in the raw. And it's, there's no formal script. We really don't know what we're going to talk about. It's true. Um, we just get them on the phone and we find out where it goes. We had a pretty interesting conversation. Joe is a sales guy in Kansas and he got this inspiration to want to write a book. So we're going to hear about that. And the reason we know this, of course, is that we're actually recording this intro after we've done the You're the giving show. out our secrets there. Wait, what are you yeah, doing? It's all right. <laughs> but we did have an opportunity to visit with him, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what is keeping him from writing that book. Hmm. Any thoughts before we move into this? No. All right. Let's get right into it then. Well, welcome to the Reinventure Me Clinic, Joe Riccomini. Hey, thanks for having me on, Larry and Armin. Happy to be on with you guys. We're glad that you could be our guinea pig number two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So, Joe, we like to ask our guests to say a little bit about themselves so we can acquaint you with our audience. We've had an opportunity to get to know you, both Armin and I. have met you recently over the last month or two, but the rest of our audience probably has no idea who this guy is. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell us about yourself? My name is Joe Riccomini. I live here in Kansas. I'm 30 years old and I'm a father of four children. Recently had the privilege to come up and meet Larry and Armin when we went up to the Strategic Margin Workshop, which was a blast, by the way. If anybody's thinking about going up there, definitely recommend it. Good plug. Um, September 18th is my next one. Shameless um, marketing. That was a real blast. Also to see Minnesota was beautiful, but currently work in sales. It's been a big part of my life working with people. 
and just being able to do different types of sales, you know, through different sales organizations. I have a real passion for cooking because I'm Italian. And I, <laughs> as you notice, going through the transition right now of really wanting to find out what God's got in mind for me. And that's what's been drawing me to the Reinventory podcast. And I feel like it's been been very beneficial, you know, having having partaken that. So I'm, I'm excited to explore that more as we get into that too, when we talk about that. Oh, that's great. Well, we're glad that you're not only on this clinic, but that you've been a long time listener to our show, huh? Yeah. I'm going back from, um, actually started in January, but I think I've hit about 80% of conversations or the uh, podcast and all, right. all of them. That's great. And we do love the fact that you have reached out and commented on some of our shows. We love that about our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So see you do that and you might end up on the show like Joe, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Joe, as you know, we do every episode, we have an inspire me. What's your quote? What's your offer for our inspire me quote today? Well, something that's been really big in my life right now is just the idea of surrendering yourself to God and what he wants to do in your life. And what's really hit me was uh, <clears throat> Matthew sixteen twenty four, when our Lord says, you know, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. And that's the inspire me that I have. Right yeah, that's now. great. That's really it's a wonderful <laughs> verse. It kind of reminds me of my college days. I mean, I don't ever think I told you this, but I grew up in the Lord. I met the Lord in college and I grew up in the ministry of the navigators, Ooh. which is often known as the never daters. Are you familiar with them, Joe? <laughs> First time hearing about that. Okay. <laughs> so it's a campus ministry, right? Yeah, I'm familiar. But it's, it's known as being pretty rigid, right? Yep. <laughs> and they would say that the nav woman's verse is this one. But they say it a little differently. They say the Navs woman's verse is, if any man would come after me, let him. (laughs) (laughs) So so thanks for that inspiration, Joe. For me, a trip down memory lane. (laughs) But but hey, so tell us, what what should we talk about in the clinic? How are you in the midst of a transition right now? And what should we talk about? From day one, when I started listening to you guys, I think the transitions continually happen. And I think they've been evolving as I've been being able to pay attention to that through different things you guys have been teaching me on the podcast. From when I started, it was more of a job transition, but everything happens. What I'm starting to realize is the more, you know, God's always constantly evolving the transition that he wants us to go through. Mm -hmm. For me, one of my big transitions was recently a job transition, but now more importantly, was a matter of coming to grips with that. God has a, a bigger plan for my life and I have my own will. And sometimes I think I know it's better for me and I go down that road and it ends poorly. I see that I have my free will and I can do what I want, but I have to my challenge and my transition is laying that down, trusting that God's got a better plan and actually actively seeking that his will is done instead of mine. And then it's counterintuitive sometimes. That's the transition that I'm working towards right now. And how do you know if you're doing that? I think that you know you're doing God's will if you have peace about something. And God's will is true peace. So he wants us to be peaceful, joyful, happy, and also you know doing his Father's will. So I think that looking at transitions, because there's so many options that can come our way, if we choosing something and praying over it and we have absolutely no peace about it, it's a pretty good indication that that's not his will. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at an option or praying over it and we have peace about it moving forward, I feel like in my experience anyways, it's been a good indication that God is actually okay with that, wants me to move in that direction. Now, I know he's not going to like a lighted sign is going to pop up and say, okay, go do this now. Or I'm going to get an email from him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's that sense of peace in my soul that I'm doing as well. It's going, it's working in the right direction. So my big transition is to find whether I'm looking at a career, a family move or something else happening that I'm bringing those to the Lord first before I go through that transition to make sure it checks out before I take action on moving forward on it. Where is the tension for you right now, Joseph? Where are you feeling the push, the pull, the uncertainty, the messiness of transition? Yeah. What's keeping you up at night? (laughs) 
It's the drive to want to be everything that you think you're capable of. You know, we're made in the image of likeness. God, we have all this potential to go in all different directions. It's the ability to see all that you can possibly be. And at the same time, be willing to lay that down and say, as much as I want to do this, or as much as I want to do that, or as good as I think I am at this, surrendering that to God and letting him say, okay, lead me where you want me to go versus where I want to go. And I've done it so many times in the past where I know what I'm good at. I know what I want. And then I end up in the wrong spot. And I'm just wondering, why did this happen to me again? You know, I thought I was doing it right this time. And it was, you know, just getting too, you know, caught up in my own desires, my own wills before I allowed God to kind of take the steering wheel and and show me where I should be instead of where I think I need to be. So take us into something that is a current stress point for you in that. Sounds like you've got the framework. I mean, you've got the desire, you have the right heart, Mm -hmm. you want to do what God has in mind for you, and certainly to be moving toward his will and do what's pleasing to him. But where are you wrestling with that now? How can we help you in this time that we have together? Well, well, what I'm looking to do right now, and something I really think that I should be doing is is writing a book. You know, it's still early on in the stages of wanting to write a book for fathers and people that leave a legacy for the next generation. So I, th- I think that's something I'm, I'm working towards. But at the same time, I'm working to, to get away from all of these other things because I'm a type of person that likes to be mixed up in so many things, easily distracted and lots of interests. So my biggest challenge in this transition is to take all those things that are good, but they're not great. And they're keeping me from doing the one thing that I really should be doing, which I believe in this case is working on writing this book and getting this message out that I think that God wants me to share. So my challenge is finding all these great opportunities and saying no to them and and saying, you know, because they're keeping me from the one really big thing that I I should be doing. I think that's the challenge I'm facing right now more than anything. So is it just a matter of sorting through and figuring out what's the lesser yeses that you need to say no to? I think so. It's also that. And one of the things that, you know, I just like to comment on this because it's been really helpful is the strategic margin piece, because before I knew about what that was, the, you know, the ability to block time out to actually think creatively and do that sort of thing. I've actually taken that to the point where I can use that as my strategic margin time in the morning is to actually pray over what I'm going to do and think about it with God versus before I was just using it for, okay, what are all the tasks I want to get done today? Instead of sitting there and saying, God, here are all the tasks that I have for today. What do you want me to get done? You know what I mean? And it's allowing me to restructure the way I attack the day, the way I approach my week, my, my entire life. But it, it's using some of those things um, in a different way to accomplish uh, the goal. So I think doing that's really helping me right now, weed through the things that are attractive, like those, uh, you know, the, the shiny objects <laughs> that we get caught chasing that are exciting. And then they kind of lead us in the wrong direction. So that's been really helpful in that regard. Yeah, it sounds like you've taken some of the strategic margin concepts and are starting to think creatively about the new things that you might be able to do in your life, right? Oh, absolutely. So mm-hmm. what scares you right now? What's on the edge the fact, for you? What scares me is that when you actually put yourself in the position where you say you say in your heart you want to surrender to God and you want as well, it's scary because even though you know he wants what's best for you, he usually calls you into something that's bold or courageous or daring. And he actually asks you to put a lot on the line. And he asks you to say no to yourself in a lot of ways. So it's scary if you really mean it, what could happen. But at the same time, it's exciting because if you really do want what God wants, you're going to be able to bring good things to other people and change people's lives. So that to me is just not knowing, but you know, being okay with you know, what's happening, what's coming down the road. You know, I always thought it was interesting, and you read about some of the great people of faith in 11th chapter of Hebrews, 
And some of those people listed there were sawed in two and lived in holes in the ground and caves. And that's not what we would call a successful outcome in American culture today, <laughs> right? You go, right. hey, if that's your future, would that would faith for you look like that? And most of us would not choose to say faith for me would look like that. We have this westernized view of faith that says it's going to look a lot different in terms of my personal outcome. Right. You know, Joe, as you think about the transition that you're making, what are some of the key challenges or tough questions that you're asking yourself? I, I assume you're journaling, maybe. What are some of the points you're wrestling around right now? I'm wrestling around the idea of like, I go ahead and I, I feel like God's calling me to write this book. I go ahead and put it all together. And then just what happens if nobody likes it? What happens with, you know, all the what ifs mm-hmm. that you have to deal with when you put yourself out there? It can be pretty scary. It can be challenging. You put all that work together and then you, there's no guarantee that it's going to do anything it's going to be a success or it's actually going to turn out the way you hoped it could just be a total flop so being willing to just put the work in and do all that without knowing you know without any guarantee that it's actually going to materialize or become what you hoped it would be yeah that's great because it's something i think we can all identify with we have an aspiration right we want to get something done and then our mind immediately goes to all the things why it may not be a worthwhile investment of time yep because we can easily rack up all the failure options Mm -hmm. and see very few success options, right? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Joe, with respect to this book and the dialogue that you have internally. If you did have the assurance that the book that you write was going to achieve some modest level of success enough that would be satisfying to you. You go, okay, that was worth it. What changes would you make right now to do it? I think that I would be a little bit more positive as far as like putting more time aside to get it done because I already know that's a guaranteed outcome. But I think that it's uh, it would make it easier for, to facilitate the process knowing that it's going to come out. Like for instance, if you're on a road trip and you know you put in the mileage every day, you're going to get there and it's going to, you're going to have a successful trip. It's more, you know, you're more, a lot more apt to go ahead and do it where I think that this would definitely be more motivating to think about it from that perspective. At least something's guaranteed. Okay, so do you know precisely the changes you would make if you had an assured outcome? Yes, I do, actually. And if I think about it like that way, I do. And so the only thing that's keeping you from doing it is knowing that you have an assured outcome? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just to venture out in faith and just do it and and believe that it's going to come out well because it's something I believe I'm being asked to do. So I should believe I should believe it's going to c- come out well. I think that's my challenge is wrestling with the, the belief of if I can actually hold on to that belief that it's going to turn out well and, and not let anything else stop me from completing it. I'd like to ask, suggest that maybe you look at it a little differently because I don't even think that that will get you there. Mm-hmm. I honestly okay. don't think that having that belief is going to get you there. I think what's okay. going to get you there is not an external motivation, which is what you're describing, the visualizing the success of the book, But what's going to get Uh, you there is internal motivation. What is that process going to do for you internally? Oh, I see. Yeah. What kind of a journey am I going to have to go internally to make sure that for that to happen? Not only that, but what is the byproduct of having gone through it? In other words, sitting your butt in a chair every day for 30 minutes to do some writing. Right. Even if it never gets published, how does it change you? How does that process make you a better person? It does a lot because all the research I have to do, the thinking of actually putting it all on paper and um, processing all those thoughts and ideas would, I think would make me, even if I never published the book and I think about it that way, it would definitely be a character builder. So I would definitely have an outcome that I would be happy with 
and then anything above that would be a plus. Okay. So you nailed down something pretty important here because you said, you just said, I'd be happy with that outcome, even if the extrinsic outcome in terms of it never sold a copy, you'd be happy with the internal changes and the consequence of that. So that's huge. I mean, that's a big shift right there. And in and of itself, that ought to be the motivator for you even to start tomorrow and do all oh, those <laughs> all those changes that you just talked about. The beautiful thing about what just happened when you walked me through those two different scenarios is like now that you walked me through and I realize it, I'm excited to go ahead and do it again. I feel happy about it because I realized I don't need validation externally that it was the right thing to do. It's nice to have it. But before I was thinking about it from, well, I actually want to sell some copies and actually want to do something. But really, it is more about who, you know, I love what Jim Rohn says when he asks, you know, one of my favorite questions from him is like, when you're at a job, you know, it's not what are you doing, but it's what are you becoming where you are. So Mm -hmm. if I'm writing, what am I becoming? I'm becoming a writer. If anything good comes of that, that's great. But it's who you're becoming. And that's, you know, the character building, which I guess I didn't look at it from that perspective. But now it makes me more excited to finish. Well, the problem with an external motivation, I know you've experienced this too, Armin. The problem with external motivations is you can't control them. I remember when I was talking to a guy who was doing some work as founding a startup, and they were about to close on a $20 million round to get their business off the ground. This was everything for them. The date of their closing was September 11th, 2001. Wow. (laughs) And the investment company headquarters, you guessed it, was in the World Trade Center. Oh, my gosh. Man. So an airplane took out a lot of years of work and a lot of dreams that occurred. Mm. And that's a kind of an external event that you can't control, an external outcome that you can't control. Mm -hmm. But you can control all the stuff you do internally. Now, here's the one thing that I would suggest that you do, Joe, is now that you've made that shift to recognizing that there's actually some internal value for doing, Mm -hmm. pursuing what you want to pursue in terms of writing the book, what I would suggest is you get very concrete about that. Because you're at the front end of it, and you're 30, and you've been through enough projects. I know Armin has lived this a lot. Armin, you probably can have a few comments about this. But you're always most optimistic at the beginning of an engagement or beginning of a project. It's when you start getting into it that it gets really, really hard. And that's when you're inclined to give up. So having specific objectives that you are going to see as benefits or takeaways for you intrinsically, what is it doing for you is going to keep you going and keep you motivated. If you don't write those down, you're going to lose sight of it. So at the beginning, I would suggest instead of focusing on the external, which is fine. I mean, you can have goals for what you hope the book would accomplish, but you'd be motivated by the internal goals and write as many of those down, what you expect that book to be doing for you, the perseverance that you're going to be gaining, the writing skill that you gain, the, all the other th- qualities that you're going to pick up from it. Actually write it down and post it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge for me now that you, that you bring that up because I had lost up to this conversation. I have lost momentum on doing it. I got, up, got excited, got started, got some good headway, and then it just kind of you know started wearing on me. And I, my only... My biggest motivation was the external motivation to get it done. And I had a a set deadline date and everything. I was going to have it published by and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And all that 
already passed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, hey, I've been there, done that <laughs> several times. Not Larry, me. And, and now I'm like, okay, where did I go wrong? And you just you just hit the nail on the head. It is because the internal motivation wasn't my focus. It was all external. Uh, let me ask you a question. You know, back to the Jim Rohn quote that you're pointing out that mm-hmm. it's not about what you're doing, it's what you're becoming. And you're talking about being a writer. What do you see your long-term vision of your life looking like? What kind of life are you building? You know a little bit about me, Armin, and we talked a little bit about legacy. I would want to build the type of life that anybody in my family could look to, something that would give other people value, would give people hope, inspiration, just being able to use writing as a tool to, you know, to help people and reach people that you wouldn't normally ever have a conversation with. So right. my idea is to build a legacy for my family that they can be proud of and also one day carry on as well. All right. I like that. So carrying on with that train of thought. So there's two things I see you doing. I see you one right now. One thing that you're currently doing is you're in sales. And then the other thing I see you considering doing or wanting to get into is writing. Now, I'm sure there's other options in there, but between those two things, do you see yourself being the type of person that's going to leave the type of legacy that you want or build the type of life that you want? Do you see that happening through the sales route or do you see that happening through the writing and being an author or whatever else that comes around that? I think it's going to happen more towards the writing, but it's it's such a new thing for me. I've always had a passion for it and I've always written in journals since for the past 10 years or right. young man's last 10 years. So I feel like God could be using me in either way, but I would love to, if I had it my way, <laughs> I would love it to go down the route of writing and eventually maybe doing public speaking and, and that kind of outreach. Sure. If God has a different plan for me, I'm, I'm always open to change directions. Let me ask you a different question then. Do you prefer to be the type of Joseph that say 10 years from now is a multi-million dollar sales rep, or would you prefer to be a you know a six-figure income earning author which route would you rather go down i would rather go down the author route i believe because i would be able to sell something that's more of who i am and when i have to sell for a company unless it's you know i'm selling my own products or something i really believe in i would be selling ideas through books or things that i you know i believe you know down to my core so i guess the salesman Part of me would be able to be able to work through the books in, in that in that regard, if that makes sense. So I'm going to go back to a different point that you made, which was how you know if you're doing God's will is you have peace. Yes. Am I summarizing what you said correctly? Yes. So when you go to God about writing your book or mm. this book specifically on legacy, do you have peace? Mm. Yes. Based on the questions I'm asking and the answers that I'm getting, I guess the last question I would have is then, why would you allow anything to stand in the way of you building the type of life that you want and desire, even if money doesn't encourage you or motivate you? I offered you millions versus a a small six-figure salary, and you said, I'll take a small six-figure salary for the sake of impact. Some people wouldn't consider Mm. six figures small either. That's true. (laughs) But I would consider that small, but yeah. But for you, it it sounds so clear that you know what you want to become. You know what kind of life you want to build. You know who you want to be. You know what you want to do for your family. You know what motivates and inspires you. You've gone to God and you've literally asked, you know, do I want to go down this route or this route? And you got your answer in a way that you say is God's will, which is basically having peace then I guess where I'm stuck is saying, why are you stuck? Why are you not moving forward? Why are you not knocking down walls and saying, 
I know exactly what I want to be and I'm going to be the last person to stand in my own way. Right, because that's where the challenge comes in is because you have to fight your own will, fight your own distractions and you, you know, you run into roadblocks and sabotage, you know, sometimes you sabotage yourself. And for me, part of the biggest challenge has been turning all these external factors off that are distracting me away. And that's kind of where I'm leading in the transition of turning all of that off to where I can focus on, you know, time with God, time with the projects that I need to be focused on. And then with what Larry told me about the internal motivations, focusing on the right things, all of those things are helping me move right in the right direction that I need to be going to make that type of impact, to work towards that type of legacy. So yeah, um, it is it's a challenge, but I am working toward it. And it's a great question. Yeah. Joe, did you happen in the 80% of the episodes that you listened? Thank you again. Did you happen to listen to the one on pivoting in place? It might be helpful you know, to you. I think that's one of the ones I had on the list I actually never listened to. Oh, well, that might be a good one for you to listen to because, you know, our means line of questioning to you is really about there shouldn't be anything that takes your eye off of this focus that you have, this new energy you have in light of all the conviction that you have around it. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. At the same time, that doesn't mean you just throw caution to the wind and that you just, you know, leave your sales role. There's a possibility for you to embrace both the occupation that's serving you financially right now Mm -hmm. while you pursue the vocation, which is your call Mm -hmm. that you've just articulated Mm -hmm. in terms of writing a book, because to put a book together requires a lot of skill development and just writing. I mean, you got to, you got to sit there and write. And there are many people who have written while working Mm -hmm. and have done one of the most prolific writers of all time and Google search him. His name is Andrew Trollope. And he wrote from like five in the morning to nine in the morning, then went off to the U.S. Patent Trademark Office where he worked. But that amount of writing, I think he compiled something like 500 books or something. It's an amazing number of books. Wow. And one of the most prolific writers of all time, Andrew Trollope. And Hmm. he just had this, I'm sitting in the chair, I'm doing the writing, but he also had a day job. Yeah. You can hone both of those. I, that's what I'm saying. But your singular purpose is never to let it go, is yep. to grab a hold of it and do it. And that's one of the things, just to, to to your point there, I've sabotaged myself in the past thinking I had to go all in on something without pivoting in place. And if everything's come crumbling down, I've done that a number of times in the past, thinking there's only one way I have to do all of this or none of this. Yeah, that's the problem that we sometimes get into is we think that there's an all or nothing syndrome here, is that right. that's the only only thing that you can you can do. And I guess my line of questioning isn't Absolutely. necessarily leave your job and go do this. My line of question is saying if you're willing to put this much time into earning an income, why not put even 10% of that time into writing this book and then looking at your main priorities saying mm-hmm. time with family, doing my job and earning an income and then I would say third in line or whatever your priority list looks like, it's writing this book then everything else that's around you that are these different projects that are coming up, if it doesn't align with your third priority, and if you're not accomplishing your third priority, why do those other things? Use it as an elimination process, if anything. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. Uh, if there's not any other questions that you might have for us, I want to give you a gift. Okay. Don't worry, it's not monetary, and I'm not offering to buy your book. <laughs> I will buy your book. <laughs> okay, good. Good, because it's not written yet. <laughs> because, you know, if I offered to buy your book, then that'd be an extrinsic motivation, and it'd be just against everything I just told right. you. But here's a daily motivational. A friend of mine gave me this, and I put it up on my wall, and it says this simply, write, 
even if you have other things to do, even if it sucks, even though it's hard, even though there are no guarantees, even if no one else cares. Mm. Revise. Even though it's difficult to be objective, even if you think you got it right the first time, even though you hate it, even if you're sure it's a waste of time. Submit. Even if it's to a small, non-paying publication, even if you feel you're not ready, even if you hate rejection, even if you know you'll never be accepted, and repeat, you're a writer. Act like one. <laughs> well, that's really, uh, that's really good. That's something that you would read every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I have it right on my wall. I, I, every time I journal, I look at that. He literally took it off the wall to read that to you, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I definitely believe it. That's fantastic, Larry. Thanks for sharing that. I'll definitely... Uh, so it's my gift to you. I'll remember. Right. I'll read that every morning yeah. <laughs> before I start writing. I'll scan it and send it to you. Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks Thanks for taking the time to be on the clinic with us. I hope that you found it helpful. What's the big takeaway that you have from our time together? Oh, the big takeaway was that internal shift when focusing that you caught me focused on external motivation when I really should have been focused on the internal motivation. And that's also put the wind back on my sails for understanding, you know, how to keep the momentum going. So that's good. That's a big shift for me. That's a big change. And that's something that the takeaway that I had today more than any, that was very valuable. So thanks for that. Yeah. Well, great. I'm glad that that was helpful. And again, enjoyed to have you part of the program. Thanks again. My pleasure guys. Thanks so much for letting me on here. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Very good. Glad to have you, Joe. Well, I mean, that was our conversation with Joe. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. I wish him the best in this writing project. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Well, you know, I can really identify with the deep desire and the longing to do this. And I yeah. I think I might have mentioned in one of our episodes, I hope it was one of the ones that he didn't listen to, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember coming across one of my old list of goals that I wanted to do for the year. You know, at the beginning of every year, you go, this is what I'm going to do this yeah. year. And it was like from 1999, I was going to write a book. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> kind of hurts even thinking about it. You know oh, what I mean? No. I can physically see it on your face yeah, right now. Yeah, a little bit of grief. <laughs> but you know, the thing about it is part of what I reconciled with myself is that, well, I've learned a lot about writing. I mean, I've written over 500 blog posts. It's not like I haven't been writing. Right. And I actually did write a book, wasn't able to get it published. But along the way, I realized that had I gotten the book that I did write, published, it wouldn't have been good for me to do so because it wasn't a good fit for a first book for me to come out. And so I oh, think really? it's, there's something about God's providence there that just, I'm, it's not deniable. Yeah. But all the stuff that we talked about, about just keeping at it and making small incremental changes and, and doing something habitually each day. I mean, we've talked about a lot about these in the past, but Boy, I wish him well. I, and I know I something of the journey he's going through. And yeah. What a nice guy. He really is a good guy. He's a great husband. He's oh, a great yeah. father. I heard a lot about, you know, from him in terms of what he does with his family. He's just absolutely genuine, truly cares, has a big heart. So I really pray that he is successful with this book. At yeah. least gets it done because I know that will light a fire under his butt. That'll oh, make him write so well, much and, more. And I, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to tear into that because he's... Yeah. Got a pretty high level of energy and a great head on his shoulders. Well, listen, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Right. We sure hope you enjoyed this clinic. If this is something that you think you might want to just uh, chat about your transition, some of the things that's going on in your life, feel free to let us know. You can reach out to us at reinventure.me. Just visit the contact page or leave us a, a message on our show line at 612-314-5447. You'll find the show notes here in, on this episode at reinventure.me slash 76. 
And that's all that we have for now, but we're looking forward to seeing you next week. And so this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we say so long for now and go venture forth. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 